once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air. I, do I want to? I, really, it's online. I, I, if I was going to choose one or the other, I should that we have online. On air, there's an analogy there. There's a, the idea of being still in a radio loop is kind of what on air feels like. But technically, being a podcast, we're online. And we're online 24-7. And where, where you go to find us is www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You find us uh, at that uh, at that web page. I've I've been hearing from some people looking for center left radio that they have not found us on some of the feeds, some of the podcast feeds that they normally use out there. There's a number of them, and I'm going to have to do some research pretty damn soon here, and and just basically go through the 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 usual suspect list of podcasts to verify that we're there. We were, we are, I thought we were, and I'm going to have to check this again, but um, certainly uh, if we're not on uh, any particular feed of yours, we're always at www.centerlefttalkradio.com, one word, of course. Um, It is the 12th of December, less than two weeks Till Christmas, my goodness. Uh, uh, <laughs> Zoom, he said, uh, said, the old, said the older guy. Uh, oh, it's taking forever, said the little kid. That's, that's the deal. Uh, it just goes faster and faster, and unfortunately, uh, at the age of uh, anywhere between uh, 6 and probably 12, 13, it is just dragging on forever, and you can't wait for it to get here, and you can't wait for school to end, for the holidays to start, etc., etc. But that's just, that's life. That's the progression of life. That's the, that's the emotion of life. That's, that's I, I imagine that might be, and I, 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 don't know, I don't know if this can be rethought of or configured from a, from a theoretical, no, not even theoretical physics, because we know that time is a variable, but is the variability of time in terms of the feeling of its variability. In other words, the time goes faster as you get older. The feeling that events slip by so quickly. I I put up a small Christmas tree in our foyer the other day, and the sensation was that, my God, I just put that thing away a few days ago. and, And of course, a year has gone by, or almost a year has gone by since then. But the feeling of it, the, the, the experience of time has been such that it, it, it almost feels like an instant. And as I say, in younger people, I can remember the feeling. This, will it ever come? Will it ever happen? This, this second by second notion that, there, that time is just being stretched out indefinitely and you get to the other end of a human life cycle and the sense that it's being compressed is there. Is there a, is there a physical reality that is being uh, demonstrated here. Has, has anyone scientifically gotten to the point where this difference in experience, and, and I, I find it to be fairly common in talking to people I know around my own age or younger people, you know, you, the, this difference in time frame, which is perfectly relatable to youth versus age. Um, is this a physically determinable or, or, or um, calculable, is there, is there a calculation, is there, is there some mathematics involved in the experiencing of time as extended or compressed depending on how damned old you are? I, I don't have an answer, I'm, I'm, I'm asking. Um, 
my my sense is that when there is something this common, uh, when the experience is so common, that if it isn't just a purely psychological, psycho-emotional kind of uh, reaction, it should be. It should be determinable by some kind of mathematics or physical property. As, as a human ages, there is uh, a difference in the experience of time. Uh, time goes by uh, more slowly the further away you get from a gravitational well or source. Well, by the same token, time should move more quickly or the experience of time will move more quickly relative to one's age, but that would mean there would be a relative difference between two people living in the same house if there was an older person, a grandparent, and a, and a grandchild, and that would defy the rules of movement away from a gravitational source as being determinative, determinative of differences in the experience of time passing. Oh, I'm really getting out there for, for starting a, a, a Tuesday show. Boy, I'm really moving with it. Um, I, I, it's, just, it's just the type of thing that I always find fascinating. And I've thought of that uh, many times. I've never heard of anyone come up with any kind of an explanation for it, except basically, well, the explanation would be it's an emotional, psychological issue. It's a perception issue. But, ah, but then perception is a major player and a number of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of theoretical physical experiments, actually, again, practical experiments, where, where perception of an event changes it. And perhaps the perception of time changes with our age, our, our focus on it, our, uh, the way in which we focus, and that may change the event itself, the actual nature of time, which we know to be a variable. Oh, well. It's uh, interesting things to think about less than two weeks before Christmas, knowing that uh, not, not long from now, the, uh, the kids will be all over the neighborhood and the, and the parties are starting up already and uh, we're, we're seeing people and making, we have our plans and all that stuff and it's nice. It, it's, it's nice to have a Christmas. Um, in a crazy country these days, obviously, we are, at least politically, we are rather insane. Uh, we are experiencing or, or experimenting with whether or not uh, we can go back into the worst possible uh, place we can imagine simply because we are not prepared to be the adults who accept the higher speed at which time goes by. I'm really forcing an analogy on this one. Uh, but, but because we can't be adult about things, we have to go into an imagined simpler time when everything, uh, well, we would like to have imagined that everything went our way and going our way meant people who weren't like us couldn't have what they want. Women kept their place. Um, uh, uh, everybody kind of uh, uh, w w marched in lockstep behind a, a super powerful leader who basically could do no wrong, uh, no matter what. And and and, uh, we're, we're, and you have roughly oh something like thirty percent of the entire country, but closer to forty plus percent of the voting population seeming to have embraced this sort of notion that we can, we can suspend reality, the reality we live in, and basically dive into someone else's fantasy, the fantasy of, of a person who says that grievance is the only way to go, I'll help you with yours if you'll help me with mine. We'll reciprocate our grievances. We'll resonate them between us. And in the process of this resonation, we will somehow make 
surreality or, or fantasy become real and we'll have no real consequences for it. We'll simply basically make America what we've always imagined it to be with no complications, everything exactly the way we want it, and, 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 that's, and we'll impose that on everybody else, by the way. Everyone will simply have to go along with it. No more of this messy voting democracy, uh, one person, one vote stuff, and, and, and all of the differences of opinion. We, we're, we, can, we, we don't need that. We need to have our, we've been oppressed, we are, we have grievances. Our grievances have never adequately been dealt with. We are taking matters into our own. And you, you, you know where the goes, you know the storyline on that. You basically have to choose Trump or America. Or, America or, in any, or any form of America that would be familiar to most of us. Basic freedoms would begin to break down pretty quickly. Uh, voting would become meaningless. Uh, Donald would never, ever, ever, ever uh, step out of the White House again so that everything would be geared towards his permanent residency within there. This is, this is simply what would happen. And, and it seems hard to believe that this could be happening in America in, in 2023 going to 2024 that, that we could be repeating, uh, we could be fantasizing about an America that never was then and yet fantasizing that it could suddenly happen now uh, with all the book bannings and all of the abortion, uh, anti-abortion laws and all of, the, all of the anger and all of the grievance and every that somehow that fantasized America is going to become a real America and will be able to supersede all other rules and laws and regulations. I, I, I wouldn't have believed this, of course, you know, eight years ago, six years ago. No one would have imagined it. I, I've said how many times that, you know, just the very thought of saying that Donald Trump or America was something I was very loath to even attempt saying on air, but here I'm saying it on a regular basis. And, and I think uh, a, a, a rather interesting demonstration of just how weird America is and is becoming, well, we we know that we know that uh, that uh, this guy uh, uh, what's his name uh, Johnson Mike Johnson who was the arch he's now the Speaker of the House he was the architect one of the major architects of the entire take down the election on January sixth movement uh, he is a major 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 pro Trumper he is supposed to be hyper religious also he's another part of this schizophrenia that weds uh, religious doctrine that is at total odds with everything that Trump has ever said or done in his entire life, and yet it marries itself to him for one reason only, ultimately, as it winds up, for the power that Donald represents and the, and the ability for religious people to go to their most extreme positions of, well, we could have never gotten there without him. We're going for broke. And everybody on the Republican Party has board and they're all going for broke. Going for broke in America means you break America. That's, that's what it comes down to. We can no longer have reasonable elections because they might not go the way we want them. It'll get in the way of the fantasy. One of those fantasies uh, has been expressed in the rulings of a number of states. Texas, of course, is always at the top of the list of fantasies. Uh, Greg Abbott is a is a, uh, is a uh, wheelchair-bound guy who, as a result of a freak jogging accident, found himself in a wheelchair, and rather than being empathetic and sympathetic in any way, has basically taken his anger out. He, his, his grief and anger about uh, the unfairness of his life, now he managed to make it to governor at the same time, so clearly there's a drive in there. But once in power, his, his need has been to basically become one with those who would fantasize about an America that never was and never really will be 
well, it won't be America if it ever gets to be close to what they're all fantasizing about. But one of his great fantasies, and you know, after, uh, once Roe v. Wade was, re, was redacted illegally, inappropriately, based on the lies of, of two of the three Trump appointees during their appointments, based on just complete uh, throwing out all norms and regulations and decencies and everything else that one would expect of the Supreme Court, the, the same court that has come up with this bogus set of, uh, of ethics which have no enforcement capability whatsoever, blocked to them. I actually have a copy of it sitting here in my computer. I read it, they sound lovely, except for one thing, you can't do a damn thing with them because they can only be enforced by the court itself. So you, you would point to the court and say, hey, you know, you broke your own rule over there. And the court looks back at you and says, yeah, and? So Greg Abbott and the, and the Republican legislature and the Republican, all, all nine members of the uh, Texas Supreme Court Republicans, uh, a case that has moved up the, the chain, a woman who was 20 weeks pregnant, uh, whose uh, pregnancy will end, uh, only can end, would necessitate a, a, a C-section. The child will 95% be born, brain dead, will probably die immediately thereafter. It's a rare condition that affects one in, I don't know, is it one in every 25,000 pregnancies, but this woman happens to have it and simply wants to go and have an abortion, has other kids, wants to have more kids later on. But this one is going to be, this is, this is, an abor this is a pregnancy that could also affect my long-term capacity to have more kids, if only just because of the C-section. There's a limit to how many times your body can be cut open and basically give, you know, give a birth that way. And the court basically has come back now and told this woman, no, no, you, 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 that's not enough of an emergency. That, that's not enough of a situational exception to what is anticipated as an exception uh, in the Texas law, say the nine Republican justices. Uh, it would have to be an absolute danger to the life of the mother so that it would have to, I, I, I gather in what they're saying, it would have to be probably life and death. Well... Who knows whether or not someone is absolutely going to die if a, tr if a pregnancy is carried to term? Well, one way you get to find out is carry it to term and see if someone dies. Then we can decide one way or the other. But no one will be at fault at that part. Certainly not the woman who carried it to term. No, she did her, she did her Texas duty by just holding that, holding that baby in there and waiting to see if she would die if she could beat the odds by the time her delivery took place. Oh, and, and, and of course, if the doctor, you know, somehow misguessed it, I don't know, do they, I don't know if they'll, they'll take the fetus and then, and then start going through a whole series of tests. Would it have been viable? Could this have lasted? Well, oh, that'll help us decide whether or not we send the doctor who did it, the Texas doctor, gets sent to jail for life, or maybe gets killed, I don't know, maybe you shoot him up or something, it's Texas after all, and certainly at least we'd have to get rid of his license. The court essentially said that this woman has no choice but to play Russian roulette with her life to figure out whether or not the child would have been viable. This is what the Texas, this is what Texas has been reduced to. This is the insanity that is within this country right now. This is after 50 years of Roe v. Wade protections. This is where we have gone right now. Well, the woman finally just upped and left Texas and got an abortion, not being willing to basically play Russian roulette with her life. I gather in its final ruling, the Texas court said something to the effect that they would not prosecute her or her doctor once she got back. You realize that under the Texas law and many other states, if you leave the state to have an abortion in another American state, we used to call this full faith and credit, where you give full faith and credit to the laws of one, one state gives full faith and credit to the laws of the other. That has been overturned in these decisions. No, if she now now what were to be challenged, I I, I I would be curious to see how that would play out. Full faith, full faith and credit clause. This is getting into the legal weeds a little bit over here. But 
she went and she had an abortion out of state. And I gather in its infinite mercy, the Texas Supreme Court, all nine male Republican members of it, have said, but we pro we prob we, we're not going to prosecute you, throw you in jail, make you a criminal for having done it, or your doctor for having been part of that. Oh my God, what progressive thought. Now, now that decision comes on the same day that the afore-referenced Supreme Court of the United States comes out with a very, very, in my, for me, utterly unexpected ruling. A little, little background. Tanya Chutkin, D Judge Chutkin, who is, who is handling the, uh, the beginnings of the uh, January 6th case against Donald, I, and I love saying it simply because uh, it, it just sounds so good. The twice impeached, uh, four times indicted, 91 count bearing uh, disgraced ex-president of the United States who 40 plus percent of the country is just dying, or well, of the electorate, is dying to bring back into office because he's the only one who can uh, alleviate our grievances and, and fulfill our fantasies because that's what America, we think, might be. And, and in any event, it, there's nothing else left to do. We're all going to be destroyed. And if we don't do it now, America's going to destroy it. It's some kind of wild, fucked-up logic like that. But that's basically, that's where that part of the country is going. Then there are rational humans. Tanya Chutkin is just a good judge with a lot of experience in this sort of thing. And part of her preliminary ruling on motions, there was originally a motion that was made, of course, by the Trump side, understandably this motion, that there was no business having Donald in the court before, Don, before Judge Chutkin, simply because he did all of the horrible things he did. They didn't say it this way in the... In the but anything he did while still president of the United States granted him total immunity then and at all points in the future for any level of criminality that it may have involved. In other words, everything he did in generating, in bringing people to Washington, in allowing all of the criminal activity to continue, in basically encouraging that Mike Pence basically be, well, without saying the words that he was a traitor and then letting people go ahead and think that he should be hung and killed by, by, by basically doing not a damn thing but sit and eat cheeseburgers while basically the Capitol was being raided and he was watching it all on TV and finally told these people when it was obvious it wasn't going to work that I love you, go home peacefully. I love you though, you're the best, I love you. All of these things, the total dereliction of duty, the total encouragement of of, of, of basically an insurrection. Oh, it wasn't an insurrection. They didn't work. No, an insurrection is the attempt, not the result. If it's a result, you'll never have a lawsuit because the insurrectionists won't permit it. Now, then they'll be in power. So you know, the words attempted insurrection basically are oxymoronic. It's the act of attempting to take down a government that is the insurrection. That happened. Oh, and, and Mike Johnson, uh, the, the speaker, basically, well, you know, we are going to release some more of the, uh, the footage from that day, but we're going to blur out faces so that the Department of Justice can't go after people. But we also want to just put out footage that will basically show they were really just a bunch of tourists. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on in his fucked up, you know, love you Jesus mind, you know, about everything. I don't know. I have no idea how these people's brains are working or what they think they're trying to accomplish. Johnson, who basically, you know, was sort of in the background for the longest time there, now you're beginning to see just what, how big a crazy he is and, and what he's willing to do and doesn't know what to do in terms of, of how to express his power, how to, how to get Donald back in. we got to get Donald in because if we don't get him in, well, the world ends. And what's more important, the world or America? And we've got to, we've just blah, blah, blah. The Supreme Court did a very, very surprising thing. Well, let me, let me go back to the story of, of Tanya Chutkin. 
Tanya Chutkin ruled on a motion brought by Trump's people, his, his attorneys, relative to whether or not any of his actions would be, would be criminally liable in the first place. They can't be, said, said Trump's attorneys. He was president when he did it. None of this was criminal, and it wasn't criminal then, and even now that he's out, none of it's criminal now. You can't touch the guy. It's a ridiculous position. It, it's at odds with, with constitutional law. It's at odds uh, with uh, jo Department of Justice concepts. It's at odds with, with judicial uh, findings uh, that have gone on forever. It's a ridiculous position. And Tanya Chutkin ruled appropriately and said, no, of course he's liable. The guy is liable. The second he got out of office, he was liable. There's no way he has perpetual uh, suspension of liability for this. No, 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 say Trump's lawyers. Uh, no, no, you got it all wrong. It wasn't a crime then. What he did wasn't criminal, and he cannot be, uh, he cannot be brought before uh, the bar of justice for this stuff now. None of this is prosecutable. We want him to go free. We demand that the entire case be uh, dissolved because Donald cannot be held liable for this. It goes to the first level of appeal, appeal, from the, appeal to the circuit, okay, the, the circuit court of appeals. And they, of course, naturally, because they're not irrational, rule with Chutkin because the history of the law, the law, everything the Constitution says, Donald is now liable. There may have been a question of whether he was liable during his presidency. He was at the end of his presidency. And even then, was he acting within the scope of his presidency? He was the exact opposite. He was attempting to undo... The, a loss which he had suffered. This is not what you do within the scope of your presidency. You are not acting as president 24-7, and in the instance of the way he brought about this insurrection, he was doing the antithesis of functioning as a president. He was trying to overthrow the presidential and the constitutional order of the way things are done in this country. Nothing, nothing could save him legally on this, and the Court of Appeals, the, the appellate, the appellate, uh, the, yeah, the, the, um, uh, the, the Circuit Court of Appeals ruled correctly. That, in turn, then gets appealed again by the Trump lawyers to the Court of Appeals, to the, to the next, le the level just below the Supreme Court, and it's sitting there right now. Now, these things all take time. And they're the sort of things that could basically really, really slow down a case. Really slow down a case. And everybody knows that Trump's, Trump's only strategy at this point is to avoid having any case against him, any of the 91 counts, actually get to the point of a, of a, a decision, of coming to, uh, to a verdict before the election because he doesn't want people to basically, A, see what will be happening in the court and the evidence that'll be presented, and he doesn't want to be presented as a candidate who is a convicted felon, most probably a sentenced felon, before the actual, uh, the, before the actual election takes place. Even the most ardent fantasy people or at least some percentage of them, probably a very small percentage, because the election will all, will all be seen as a witch hunt. Donald will be saying that, but he'll be saying it in full orange, not just his hair and not just his skin tone. He'll be saying it in orange at that point. That will turn enough people off, even if you have a third-party candidate like a Robert Kennedy Jr., another, another the, the flake of flakes, basically getting out there and basically saying, no, this is exactly, I'm, I'm going, he's, he, he wants to pull a, you know, pull an upset. He wants to pull a, uh, I don't know, he, he, you know, a Ross Perot situation or, or something along those lines, assuming that most of the votes that he would pull would most likely be from the Democrats. Now, that's not guaranteed either. 
There could be some semi-rational, but not quite under, but not quite, you know, uh, living in reality Republicans who would also go along with the same thing, not realizing that you're, what you're doing by voting for a third party at this juncture in American history is guaranteeing that Donald would have that much better a chance of getting back into the White House legally. But having said all that, this issue of whether or not Donald is actually liable, if, there, if, if from the get-go there is no basis to prosecute him, well, and if, that was go, if that's going to be basically the next level of appeal, in other words, the next level of appeal, once the court of appeals hears this case, presumably either side, whichever way they go on it, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. And this is a biggie for Donald. Slow this down. Slow this down. Slow this. I might be able to drag this thing out. This question of my core fundamental liability for the, for the lousy, shitty things that I've done to try to destroy the country and the Constitution in the, in, the, in, the, in the name of retaining perpetual power for myself, all of the shit that I put the country through, all of the divisions, I could just get away with it all no matter what. What? Because they can't lay a glove on me legally one way or the other. And I'm hoping, I'm believing that maybe those assholes that I put on the court, the three of them, the two of them that lied during their confirmation hearings about how they would vote on a Roe v. Wade question going forward, and, and the others, and, the, and, and Thomas, and the creeps in there that basically have taken money from all the Republican donors, I'm counting that even if it gets there, those assholes will basically be more than willing to basically say, nope, I'm absolutely free and clear. I can do whatever the hell I want. That's the fantasy, of course. Well, that would have taken a while. It would have taken, it probably, if allowed to run at the pace at which these things tend to run, that appeal might not have gotten through and to the Supreme Court, again, being appealed by Donald's people if the, if the, if the, if the, if the Court of Appeals basically said, uh, no, we, we go along with the lower appeals court on this thing, which they legally, logically, constitutionally, every other way should go along with. But then that would be another appeal would be basically sought by Don. Now, the Supreme Court could at that point simply say we choose not to deal with the issue. Two courts, three courts, three federal courts below us, both the trial court, the first circuit appeal, and then the appellate, then the appellate court basically have all ruled the same way. We choose not to look at this. But I, I think the court in its ego and everything would, would, would probably feel required to. But they could choose not to. But, but, but by the time this decision would come down, we could be just about at the doorstep of the election. And the decision then might be, well, the court might reason, the freaks on the court might reason, the, 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 the total, the, the Donald sycophants on the court might reason, um, uh, yeah, we really don't want to make this appear as though it's election tampering. They'll, they'll, pull, a, they'll pull a Jim Comey bullshit and basically oh we don't want this to be uh, uh, uh like so we're gonna I, I don't want to be seen as though i'm affecting an election says jim comey but i'm still going to reopen the thing on the i'm going to reopen the hillary laptop case uh simply because um there will be people who claim that i'm trying to be biased by not doing it there's some bizarre twisted reasoning that jim comey came up with that cost hillary the election or in part certainly and well, look at where the hell we are right now. Um, so I, what I see, uh, the, the assumption I had was that the, uh, that the court is just going to wait for it to get up there. And then, well, <laughs> uh, Smith uh, pulled, a, pulled a very smart one. Jack Smith did something that was, I think, legally ballsy and brilliant, but something that I, I wouldn't, I, I would have never thought of doing something like this, and just assuming that the court would never go there. But he's also saying, what do I have to lose here except the full, uh, except my right to continue pursuing this case? Why not take a shot at this? Put, put the ball instantly in the Supreme Court's 
court, as it were. And there is a way of doing this. And again, I'm, I don't practice in the federal bar. I don't, certainly don't practice before the Supreme Court. I would have never uh, been part of the group that figured that this is the only way to go. I'm sure there are plenty of attorneys out there who will claim they would have figured this out too. Uh, fine, that's great, wonderful, glad to hear it. Jack Smith went and leapfrogged the appellate court where the case is currently under, or the question is currently under, under consideration for however long it'll be there, however long it takes, and made a petition for certiorari, asked the Supreme Court to review and decide this issue, this crucial, crucial issue. Is Donald liable? And decide it now because until that's decided, unless and until that's decided, we don't even, all of this is meaningless. If in the end, Supreme Court, and you know you're going to get this case, now you can either go with whatever the final determination is of the next court below you and just say we're not going to take the case, which is very unlikely because the court would probably, as, as screwed up as it is, would still want to weigh in on one of the most serious issues of the era, to have its thumbprint on that. And if they're going to do it, to wait until it's too damn late, until it's after the election, well, then that makes it meaningless. Now, the court basically is still resonating and stinging from the bullshit of its, of its ethics scandals, which are still out there, and, and it passes and it, it, it self-governs an ethics code which only it can enforce, which is meaningless. And Jack Smith basically said, I think, I think there's, a, there's a possibility these guys might actually see the light and decide that they're going to take up this case right away. Oh, they'll take it up before the appellate court rules and come with a final decision on this because everything I'm attempting to do basically will be thrown in the garbage, or most of it, if Donald is not liable. If no matter what he did, because of the presidency, the fact that he was still sitting in office, Forget that what he did was about as unpresidential as a human could possibly perform. He basically will not be liable even after the fact that it was considered to be, what he did was considered presidentially protected behavior and even then after the fact cannot be considered criminal. It wouldn't be, in other words, in other words it was never a criminal act to begin with whether or not he was a president. But, it was, but if it was, it was protected behavior. It was, it was decriminalized by virtue of the fact that it became a function of the presidency. <laughs> Leading an insurrection against your own government becomes a function of the presidency. That's the argument, though. That's what it comes down to. Well, the court amazingly yesterday, today, today being the 12th of December, 2023, on the 11th of December did something utterly unexpected. They said, yeah, we'll take the case. In fact, we're going to take it right away. In fact, I think it's within eight or is it 10 days we want to have all the moving papers on both sides before us. So that Jack Smith now will present, I believe, now, I, I don't know, and again, I'm down the weeds on this, I don't know exactly what the rules are so far as the pleadings that will have to be created by the Trump people and by, uh, and by Jack Smith and the government. And what, in other words, what will, the, what will the Supreme Court be looking at at that point? Will they simply take the appeals papers as they exist at, currently at one of the appellate? Uh, I don't know, I don't know how that works out yet. I have to look at this and learn that. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning. But they're going to decide this thing one way or the other. The court is saying, we're going to look at it. Now, could it still say at that point, oh, we've looked at this, and geez, uh, I don't think we're going to rule on it one way or the other. I, I am, the court can do almost anything. That's the scary thing about our Supreme Court. Just, well, these days, because of the nature of the court and, 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 and its willingness to basically overturn and destroy law. And, and, and precedent and, 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 and stare decisis and everything else. But 
Having gone this far, it would appear to me that they're prepared to make a ruling. And the law and the facts and precedent and everything else are so absolutely fixed and solid on this one that it would be almost impossible, oh, I say almost, but this court, almost, to do anything but agree wholeheartedly with Judge Chutkin in her original assessment that, to wit, Donald Trump is absolutely, he committed a crime while in office. It was not protected behavior under the Constitution. He is liable for prosecution for those acts now that he is outside of office. It's established law. Established, 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 established. And it could be, in my mind, a way for the court to say, you see, we basically, we're not so bad. We, we, we basically... We actually um, kind of believe in the law, sort of, a bit. It, it, we, 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 you know, even if it's Donald, I mean, you know, we, we, we can sort of do that. Now, where this will go, assuming they were to rule favorably for Jack Smith, that means that the biggest impediment to the case going forward now is removed, and that this trial will most likely occur before the election and there will be a verdict. And assuming Donald is convicted, there will be sentencing on several of the counts that are part and parcel of this particular case before Judge Chuckett. And we're not even talking about what's happening in Georgia or any of the other cases there, the, four, the other cases. We know we'll have a decision on the New York civil case. We know that, and again, we know that Donald's already found uh, that he's committed fraud. The question is only uh, how, how bad is it and how, how much of a penalty, and the state is asking for, for a quarter of a billion. What will that wind up being? How badly will that affect Donald? Will there be receivership for all of his properties? The answer is legally and by basis of every other case of, his, of this type that's ever happened, yeah, there should be receivership and there should be a very substantial fine. Right now he has uh, some real, uh, you know, looney tune from NYU in there right now, some professor in there from NYU saying, well, you know, everybody cheats a little bit and, and they really just go ahead and they recheck it. So, so that Deutsche Bank really, you know, they didn't really... <sighs> And meanwhile, who was it that really got hurt? The state of New York. Why is the state suing Donald? Because the state was cheated out of tax money it should have received based on the evaluations. Absolutely has a right to bring this case and absolutely has a right to do penalties. Case law, case law, case law, case law forever saying this is absolutely permissible. It's a witch hunt, it's a witch hunt, it's a witch hunt. We need our fantasies, we need Donald to lead us into the fantasy world in which we win, everybody else loses, the rest of the country can go to hell. We can't, we'll never have what we want unless Donald is there. Only, only he can help us with our grievances, only we can help us, him with his, and it'll be the dog chasing the truck, wondering what the hell to do if, God forbid, it catches the truck this time. What do we do? What would happen if Donald, well, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I am going to say that I have a certain level of, not confidence, I, I hope. This is, after all, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. That's what we are here. But the fact that the Supreme Court, for whatever it's, reasoning was, whatever its internal uh, calculation was, the fact that it decided it was going to take this, I don't see how in hell they can find other than there is liability for Donald. That would be in defiance of everything, everything that, that, that has ever been uh, adjudicated, the Constitution, all of the precedent, all of the findings, all of the opinion, everything says Donald is liable for those actions and can be prosecuted for them now. I don't see how they get around that. Maybe they're hoping that this will make them 
good guys. Maybe they're hoping at some point in the future, uh, maybe a case will finally find its way back after Donald's been in prison, done a little time, it'll find its way to the court, and maybe they'll have the ability to overturn something a little bit. Maybe they'll still find a way to be sycophantic and ugly and disgusting and basically fulfill uh, Republican fantasies about things that should not be fantasized. I don't know what their rationale is. Assume that it's personal. Assume that it's what can this, what, what, what's in this for me. But I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that in a few days, once this thing actually gets decided, there'll be a whole different complexion. Uh, there'll be a, a, a totally different uh, point of view that we'll be able to, uh, to, to have and, and to... And to, and, to, and to work with knowing that Donald cannot appeal his way out of the fundamental finding <coughs> that gives rise to his liability. Namely, that he's responsibility for his actions. He's responsibility for criminal actions taken by him even during the course of his presidency once he is out of the presidency. He is not protected by the presidency for everything he does. Uh, that, that's, this, this is established law, but we, we, we have to somehow establish it again. All things, all things involving Donald must be reviewed and reestablished, but they've got to be done before the election. The American people have the right, they have the obligation to see this man standing there before them as a convict, perhaps seeing a picture of him in a mugshot, in an orange jumpsuit, basically as he goes into prison. So they understand exactly what it is that their fantasies are compelling them to do. What, what kind of fantasy they are willing to give into. What, what level of grievance and bullshit and self-deception and lying they're willing to, to basically entertain in order to somehow imagine that it's only what, only what we imagine that is America. We are, we are fantasizing in America that we can have, and it doesn't matter what the real world is, and if we don't do it now, it'll never happen, and all this other crap. I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful. And it's, it's a wait-and-see situation, of course. So we'll wait and see, but keep talking and, and keep being directive about it and keep explaining to people what's going on. That's what we're doing here at Center Left Radio and we appreciate you being on the other side of the microphone. Stay with us. And uh, oh, while you're at it, uh, enjoy a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Center Left Radio has been here for more than seven consecutive years and more than 800 individual episodes. 800. Think of that. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we enter this final consequences stage of the Trump saga. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Two courts, two entirely different decisions, both MAGA Republican dominated. In Texas, a court says a woman is going to have to give birth to see if she dies to find out whether or not her situation falls within the exception of their draconian uh, abortion law. In the Supreme Court of the United States jumps forward and says, we will determine whether Donald has true liability before anything else. Wow. Wait and see.